0: And welcome to another edition of the Cupcast Podcast. Uh, we're coming to you during the international break because, well, just because we can. And because we're at points clear and because we're the European champions. And to discuss all of those things with me tonight and take a look ahead to the next five fixtures um, as Liverpool find themselves in the unprecedented position of being at eight points clear after eight matches. I've got Dave Carn out in Brazil, Dave... How, on a scale of 1 to 10, elated are you right now with the mighty boys in red?
1: Well, you left out unbearable uh, in, in, your, in your intro there, Dave. But I, oh, I well, I'll don't... be sure to
0: close at that then.
1: <laughs> you know, because, like, honestly, I don't mind being unbearable. Uh, it's just, you know, just trying not to get too carried away too soon, Dave. I think that's the best way of describing it.
0: Yes, we find ourselves in a, a, a privileged position, let's call it at this point in time and long may it continue. <laughs> long may it continue. And out in Berlin I've also got Neil Patterson. Uh Chief, on a scale of one to ten, how ecstatic are you with the Reds?
2: Yeah, well, let me start by saying ten. Um but yeah, as Dave says, can't get too carried away. But um yeah, nice to be on and, and talking uh to to chat about the Reds and the position we find ourselves in after ten games, how you find it Dave?
0: i find it absolutely splendid.
2: Absolutely splendid. So
0: yeah, Chief, you're, this is this is the position we find ourselves in after eight games. And um these eight games, they haven't been easy. A lot of them have been hard fought and and tight, and we've had to work for them, but it's it's eight games, it's eight wins out of eight. 24 points on the board, it's eight points clear. It's two away from the record of opening wins, opening sequence of wins, which Chelsea hold at nine, and it's two away from from the record of of wins in a row in the Premier League.
2: So how have we managed to get to this point? Well, you can sort of you can sort of look at the beginning of the season and, and track it from the end of the last one um you know we saw liverpool go really close go really close to winning the um winning the premier league last season 97 points and you know i think that the perceived wisdom was that uh, liverpool would, that had had outperformed and would sort of drop back into the pack while um, man city were and are invincible and would continue uh to to break records and and go from strength to strength you know Jurgen Klopp and and the team have managed to yet again come out from a position where they could you know they could have could have been forgiven for, for feeling a little bit sorry for themselves or could have been forgiven for you know being a bit uh, being a bit devastated at the fact that 97 points wasn't enough but they haven't they've come out and you know redoubled redoubled their efforts and made sure that they've won the first eight games because now they know what it takes and it seems to be that they're getting the Champions League final and getting rolled over uh, rather cynically by Madrid and then coming back and winning that next year, Last well last season, the season after, with the determination that they showed there it it seems that they're, they're attempting to do the very same in the league and you know what stands out about those first eight games is that they're they're all a little a little bit different, um, you know. Some have been more straightforward than others. You look at the Nars on the opening opening day. Yeah, they posed posed a threat. They got in behind, but ultimately, you know, Liverpool swept them aside. You look at Arsenal at home again, no real threat posed. You look at you you look at Newcastle at home. At the same time, you look at Southampton away after the Champions after the Super Cup. Sorry. You know, it's, uh, we've dug that out. Mane's great goal just before half time, and then you know we we hang on a bit in the end, even though we deserve the win. You know, Danny Ings misses an absolute sitter um, to make it two two. So I mean, there've been scares along the way, um, but yeah, I think what stands out is that in all those fixtures, whatever Liverpool have had to do, find a way to win. Whether it's been whether it has been straightforward, whether we have gone two and three and four goals up, or whether we've had to dig it out in the last minute just as we did against Leicester there um, they've found a way to win and this team now looks like it will not be stopped from dare I say winning this title this season It's starting to, it
0: is it is starting to look that way like let's let's not shy away from saying that it really is starting to look that way and Dave you know this isn't just about about Liverpool um, this is also about Manchester City um, they've, they've dropped more than half the points they dropped the entire 2018-2019 season in the first eight games of this season. and We know the issues they have at the back. We'll probably discuss them in a bit more depth later on. But I can't help but feel that there is a huge psychological aspect at play here where potentially at the end of last season, after we pushed City to the wire, they all took a huge collective sigh of relief. I thought, thank fuck that's over. And then forgot about coming back into this season and or underestimated the fact that they were going to have to do it all again and some. And in saying that, I wouldn't be, I don't know, I suppose there's a conversation to be had maybe about if we don't get that last minute penalty against Leicester and win the game 2-1 and go eight points clear, and we draw the game and only go six points clear, do City beat Will's? Or is that last minute penalty a kick in the teeth for them, like a proper kick in the teeth that affects that performance and that result? Because we could be sitting here talking about three points.
1: No, look, Dave, there's a saying in sport, you make your own luck and you make it as you go along. I don't think we were lucky in getting that penalty.
0: I don't think so either, but I'm wondering how, how it affected City.
1: I, I, yes, of course. It, it doubles City's resolve. It gives it gives them an opening that they have not been seeing so far this season, and even the tail end of last season. Look, they had to, they had the win and win and win and win and win and win um, to, just to stay ahead of us, and they know what it takes to beat us. But you know, look, Dave. Apart from Milner, our squad haven't peaked or are just peaking. If you look at City's squad. You know, there are a number of wonderful players, but there are, you know, there, there's a few of them there, you know, that maybe they're still wonderful players, but but on the wrong side of 30. They're a much older team. They're a much more established team. But as we saw with, uh, you know, with Rodri coming in, um, he doesn't look as assured as Fernandinho has in, in, in seasons gone by. So there, there's issues there. And, you know, psychologically, our players from the beginning of the season have openly and i keep going on about this in podcasts have openly said you know they we're up for this we're, we're after you we think we're better than you and that has got to again then you know we've talked about it numerous times in this pod the media love that we get because we're we're headline news city are just like this this awesome team but we're headline news because we're we've worldwide following with we've, we've status blah, blah blah there's that in the players heads as well um, you know, they're not playing for a football institution. I think that comes into it. There's, there's so many factors that you, could, that you could bring to the table if you want to say, well, this is getting them psychologically. There's so many strands and branches and tributaries to, to that way of thinking um, that could support it. But I think, you know, the main difference is, I think, Dave is hunger. We're perfect. Uh, we, we have made a perfect start to this season. We have shown the appetite for, we have shown the hunger. We have shown how we can dig deep. Um, and, and in the Champions League you know we, we've shown we can dig deep as well Um and we've shown that we can go to sleep thankfully we haven't shown that in the league but you know it's October and they, as Neil said we don't, want, we don't want to get carried away but the position that we find ourselves in I think it's golden because we know that 7 points wasn't enough I, I, I think we can we be fucking 20 points clear of City and still be looking our, over our shoulders because of our experience last season and you know you and I have spoken about this as well Dave privately this we have a lot to thank City for in driving us to this level, to, to this level of football. And we aren't even playing well at the minute, really.
0: I, there's there's, uh, there's certainly a determination and, and uh, an absolute resilience about this team and a defiance about this team that they will not be bettered, and they will not be beaten and they will not be denied. And you see that with every performance.
1: And they believe they're better than City now, whereas before I don't think they did. I think that was always a mental block on our side. That's the that's maybe the psychology that's changed. We are no longer plucky challengers. We're the real deal. Well, they've won the big one now, haven't they? From that's
2: the, it, isn't it? Never managed to do. They've gone out and they've done it, and they've shown themselves that they can do it. They've shown the world that they can do it. So you know they're walking the walk now. Yeah, and there's
0: lots of things that Klopp can point to. There's lots of things. And, you know, there's there's players in there. You know, don't forget, there's players in there that have won things before, the, before they came to Liverpool. And players in there that have won titles before they came to Liverpool. And they might not be your Premier League titles or, you know, your La Liga's or Serie A's. But they're titles nonetheless. And that experience counts, is what I'm saying. You know, that experience counts of getting over the line and... You know how to how to behave and how to react and 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 how to be in the dressing room when you're when you're eight points clear, you know, eight games gone or three points clear with one game left or whatever it might be. So we look in really good, Nick, and and that takes us to I suppose, see, that takes us nicely onto the first game of this sequence of five. Now we have we have United Manchester, the great and heralded and lauded Manchester United at the theatre of dreams that has fucking holes in the roof and everything. First game back from the international break. I think it is significant that City play Palace before us because they can reduce that to five points.
2: Do they play on the Saturday or is it the
0: early game on the Sunday? Palace... At half five for City on the Saturday, which won't be a nice place to go for them. Absolutely. And a half five kickoff. Um, and then we are we're obviously the 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 second game on the Sunday, but United are like United are fucking shambolic at the minute. Let's make no bones about it. They're absolutely shambolic. Some fella put a thread on Twitter of some specific, specific statistics based around United's underland. Performances and you know it really doesn't make pretty reading at all. They are in the bottom five for most significant indicators, particularly in the scoring matrix.
2: Well, they're in they're in relegation form. If you if you take it in the last sort of nine games of last season as well, aren't
0: they? Yeah, they're they're averaging a point a game, which ultimately but is going rele- to them. Form. Yeah, it's going to give them thirty-eight points at the end of the season, which 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 is relegation form. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, so
2: I don't think that'll be enough this season either, because I don't think the bottom three are going to be that bad. No, I I'm I'm on board
0: with on board board with that. I, I think exactly the same thing. So you know, um, United have just run through some of these because I found them really really interesting. Report. United United scored six goals from open play this season in in eight matches. That's joint fifteenth in the league. They have. Failed to score from a set piece, which isn't a penalty, which obviously is worse than the league. They've conceded three goals from set pieces, which, oh, surprisingly, Liverpool are really strong at. That's joint 18th in the league. They're shooting inside the six-yard box. The percentage of attempts is in the bottom half. Their total shots outside the box are really high at 46%, which basically means that
2: They've got no final ball.
0: They've got no final ball. They don't create chances. Their chance creation is seventh in the league, but... Big chances? Yeah, their XG is 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 joint 12th. And funny enough, I think that's where they find themselves. Yeah. So this is a bottom half team in every sense. Of the, in every sense of the phrase their bottom half in performance, their bottom half in metrics, their bottom half in points goals scored, goals conceded, every fucking thing you want to look at and we should go there and win and let's be honest it's been four, f- what, four or five years since we've gone there and won, I don't think Klopp has won there in the league
1: Can I butt in? You certainly can. I, I, I have a stat for you in that uh-huh. regard Yeah. In the last decade we have taken five points at Old Trafford
2: Wow, uh, that's crazy. And, that's crazy. And and 13, 14. That was three points. So we've got yeah. two draws there, and yep. we have beaten every other time. But in oh no,
1: 2010 we lost two one. 2011 three two. And uh, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm I know the questions for Neil, but I just remembered something. No, that three, no, that three two was under for Hudson. Patrick. Was under it was our darkest fucking hour.
0: That was Our the dark, Berbatov, hat-trick,
1: the, yep, Berbatov the, hat trick, I think. Yeah, the Gerard the Gerrard free kick to bring us back level. Tari's got a penalty. Gerard got a free kick, curled into the corner. We kissed the camera. That was the one he yeah. kissed the camera at Old, at Old Trafford, remember? And then Berbatov got the winner. So we, you see the way you've just talked about United. That was fucking us at that moment in time. Yeah, it was still a three-two. This is not a fucking easy game, to, sorry uh, Sorry, sorry, Neil's a, it's a question, but that's that's my point.
0: Yeah, it's not, it's not an easy game. And the fact is, um, and that was what I was going to come on to, actually, it's it's not an easy game for a number of reasons. We talked about, like, you know, were we going to go and batter Chelsea at Stamford Bridge because they concede loads of goals? Well, no, because it's notoriously a difficult place to go. And all those years you're talking about, Dave, where we were clearly second best to United, in fact, all of the years where we were clearly second best to United, when did they ever come to Anfield and find it easy? Never. And our darkest hours.
1: Will they will drag us to their level? That's it what because because they, they, they can't reach our level, so they have to drag us down. Like They'll we try. used to do to them.
2: They'll try, but they, they will know, try. There was the time when United flirted with being this shit, well, I suppose which coincided with our very good season under Rogers, thirteen, fourteen, and we went to Old Trafford and absolutely pissed on them. And I have a feeling this is going to be thirteen fourteen rerun because they are, as you've just said, in absolutely diabolical shape. They're in the worst shape they've been in since nineteen eighty nine. There's no doubt about that. They they haven't been a, this this awful in the Premier League era, and that is completely uncharted territory for them. They've got unless they can get Martial back, they've got nobody who can score goals. I don't know if Pogba's actually injured. Or he just doesn't want to play for them anymore because he's not getting a game.
0: Irrelevant. Uh, he's not that good anyway. I couldn't give a he, fuck how many teams of the year he gets in.
2: He's, well, he's not not certainly not been doing it for them. You know their kids. all will give them their dues. Daniel James is, has looked is impressive, but um, they're they're actually not a patch on Does not tell. But does it not tell you everything. Does it not tell you everything you need to know. Yeah, has been their best player their, this season. Is their star, and you know they are—they're totally runtless. We've talked about them loads, so I don't really need to go into that much detail. Everyone, <sighs> but at the start of the season, I tipped them to be in this in this kind of trouble, and it's no surprise to me. They are—they are where they are, and they're only going one way at the moment. They can't win away from home, and they're struggling to win at home. So, you know, they're in—they're in—they're in trouble. They've just lost to Newcastle 1-0 away, you know, in a game that they never looked like creating a chance in. They have lost to Crystal Palace 2-1 at home after scoring an equaliser with like 10 minutes to go and still or five minutes to go or something and they've still managed to concede an injury time <laughs> to lose to conspire to lose that one. Two matches all season? Yeah, now this is the thing, Chief. They've won
0: two matches all season and it's, I don't think it's a coincidence that the the games they've won have been against the better sides. The games they've won have been against Chelsea, who will want to come and attack them, and who they can essentially use their one fairly inadequate weapon well, as a counter-attack.
2: Got, you've essentially got Rashford at the moment up against... Rashford and James potentially up against Van Dyke and you imagine Matip's fit by then, and yeah. you imagine we're pretty much a fully fit squad by then, because we've got certain key players that won't be going away on, injure, on, on international duty. And I think because of the bizarre Brazil fucking Senegal-friendly in Singapore, I think they play then 24 hours earlier than they normally would kind of thing. So I think, you know, we get plenty of rest. Plus, we're playing on the Sunday. It's the late game on the Sunday. Yeah, it helps. So you'd imagine we're a fully fit squad. And, you know, you would expect – well, I don't know if we would expect. We're probably talking about about it a bit. But City could go and do business against Palace gives them a chance to go, you know, to reduce the deficit, and obviously, you know, we're going to want to go out and make a statement and say no, nah, 8 points is 8 points, and stay in 8 points. Um, on the other hand, the flip side, they may struggle against Palace and potentially even drop 2 points, and, you know, it could be even more of a boon for us to go and say, well, you know, we're 10 points clear now. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Um, I think... These but I, the think you know,
2: I don't see us not winning that game, to put it like this. I think We've, Klopp's been frustrated at Old Trafford a couple of times by pretty uh, spoiler-type performances from Mourinho, United sides, and Van Gaal, United sides, potentially. I don't know if it crosses over, probably just Mourinho. But I think it's time we went there and, and showed our superiority.
0: The one thing that would worry me, Dave, though, is as bad as, as bad as this United team are, and let's make no mistake, they're fucking awful, they don't concede goals. Not really. Um, they haven't conceded more than two goals in, in a, a game this season. Who, yeah, they who
1: have the played apart from Chelsea?
2: And, and I Arsenal. Chelsea with the fact that that was very much a fucking blind audition from Lampard and his kids on the first day. They didn't have a fucking scooby-doo what they were doing.
1: It was still still Chelsea, regardless of of the result, Neil.
2: Actually, you can can see the difference between the Chelsea that we played in the Super Cup just four days later compared to the, the Chelsea that played at Old Trafford that day. And they've gotten better and better.
0: I think the best way to look at this United team is based on their game against Arsenal, where it was a fucking terrible game because they're a terrible football club. But with all of Arsenal's firepower,
2: they only managed to score Arsenal one goal. It's Arsenal's away record as well. If you look at that, it's fucking... And yeah. Arsenal and will
1: squeeze them into their own half like we that's, will. Listen, that's the
0: other side of the coin, guys. That's the other side of the coin. I get the feeling this United team would be more comfortable being squeezed into their own half. Um, I don't know, Dave, do, do you... Uh, is it? Is that an aspect of this fixture that would concern you, that United we will do what United want us to do, which is squeeze them back and press them deep and and leave the space in behind and allow them essentially to defend the edge of their own penalty area.
1: Uh, that's probably how it'll play out, Dave. The players don't seem to even want to play for Solskjaer. That against Newcastle, it's just it's just nothing. It's just, it's just sterile football. And I think that's what we're going to see. And I think they're going to be, you're, I think you're right, they're going to be really hard to break down, but I think we break them down. The best thing that could happen, in my opinion, is for us to score in the, like the first ten, fifteen.
0: Uh, the Absolutely. Game, the, the
1: fl- that, that to me is the key of the whole game, and and this is where you know we talked about in the, the run up the position that we find ourselves in. The luck has found its way to our feet in, in the right moments this season, and I'm trusting that luck to remain with us at Old Trafford. I mentioned to you, I think, on Sunday there, Dave. I was watching uh, the, the fan reaction cameras on. Uh, the United stand, and like, that that United family is a far from happy place, and if we got a goal early, it would kill the whole thing, and we either fucking score the first five, or the last five, you know, it's like three points, I don't care how it's won, I don't care how ugly it's won, I want this fixture out of the road, they're shit, fucking horrible place to go, but we need three points, it's just that Dave.
0: We go to, we go to Goodison every year, right, every year we go to Goodison, and every year Everton are shit, Every year they're fucking shit. And do we ever go there and rule them over? We don't really go there and get the win that often. And when we do, it's always fucking tight and it's always hard fought. And I can't imagine this being any different, as bad
1: a shape as they're
0: in.
2: Uh, they'll, they'll put them a fight. I mean, it's not like they'll, they'll roll over, but...
1: Their fans will wake up as well, Neil, which they've been sleeping at Old Trafford.
2: Yeah. Well, look, the
0: one, weapon they, the one weapon they have, really, is is James on the pace. And We've seen, like Sheffield United, was a good case in point where where the space exploded and behind Trent was a key weapon in their armory, and that was how they they created or fashioned their best chances. If you wanted to call them that, or certainly yes, safe passages of play, but you can imagine that will be that will be what United will look to do, and like that kid's fucking
2: rapid. Oh, he's quick, but I mean Allison's Allison's going to be back, so. He's
1: not, uh,
2: you know... He's not even
1: he's not, Neil. You know, like, hang on a minute. Joel Matip, Virgil van Dyke. you're talking two operators there, operating at world-class levels. Absolutely. You're talking like, you're talking like fucking Trent Alexander-Arnold. He's United a fucking...
2: scored a couple of goals, and he's... Ah, but fuck, he's not on. at all. He's, he's, he's not on the same level. He's just standing out in the Man United side because none of the others are willing to take a None of the others are willing to commit. None of the others are willing to even have a shot. And he's the only one scoring any goals. And he hasn't scored that many, let, let's let be fair to him. Uh, but he's come in and, you know, he's done all right. And they probably will look to exploit the space behind us. Or we'll probably look to squeeze up even more and try and catch them offside with the help of the VAR, as we've seen earlier in the season, or so far throughout the season. I just think this time we go and beat them. I don't think it will be necessarily that easy, but I think we will go ahead. And once we do go ahead, I think we'll go further ahead. Genuinely not worried about them. I mean, Solskar's already come out and said he, he expects to be sacked if they get beaten heavily by Liverpool. So what United player is going out there and putting their hearts on their on you know, what United players going out there and risking injury in that game for that manager when he's one game away from the sack? You know, it the writing is on the wall there. It's it, and the is, they
1: haven't put their neck on the line for him um, the whole season. Not once. So why start now? And if
2: they bec- because he's out of his fucking depth. Do you know they're all out of their depth, but he, none more so than him. He's out of his fucking depth. <laughs> He's come from a fucking Norwegian side that basically wins the league every year, except for the one fucking season he he wasn't kind of he kind of wasn't there, and he had a shocker when he was here before with Cardiff. He was given the job on a temporary basis, and he fucking he he he, he had the new manager, Barnes, and did really well because it was like an old guy coming back to the club, and what a hero!
1: R- Rio Ferdinand's <laughs> pa- passionate speech. You know what? Moment.
0: What a sliding doors moment! That contentious Kempenaer penalty, handball That's it. decision without was
2: that penalty without that fucking fluky, ridiculous fucking penalty, which. You probably wouldn't see that given this year with VAR. That wouldn't be given in the Premier League for VAR. Definitely not. So they've given that penalty and they've won that game. They flew to win that game and they've <laughs> just fucking written their club off for, for another couple of seasons. Like, So they're going to have to sack him mid season because there's no fucking way. Because I tell you, if he's there for the whole season, they get relegated.
1: I uh, say so on the United stand, they're talking about Ancelotti. Fucking Ancelotti would leave Napoli to go to that pile of shit.
2: Well, he's not. Who's he going in to fucking, to fucking manage? Like, that's what I mean it's a pile yeah, of shite it's not like he's going in to manage fucking Galacticos like he's going in to manage Scott fucking and Daniel James
1: <laughs> I don't see Carlo <laughs> being harsh you can't see many
0: the only one there to talk talking about is Allegri who's without a club but at the same time guys you're right and it comes back to this and this is this is where Liverpool need to this is where Liverpool for this game the team the players the fans everybody involved needs to get away from this Mythological, right. this no, not even that. Steve, this mythological statement that this is Man United because yeah. this isn't fucking Man United. This is just, this is a this is a bottom half football team, a mid-table club who have no fucking direction, who don't have the players, who don't have the manager, who don't have the tactics, and that's how we should approach this game.
2: I totally agree.
0: Yeah, so as as far as Devil's Advocate goes, I think I was doing a pretty good job there, but I absolutely think we're going to go and fucking smash them. I do. I think that if we get an early goal, it could it could get out of
1: hand. I, I see us winning by the odd goal, nothing more. Yeah,
0: I think the sooner we score, the easier it will be. And yes. I know that's a stupid, yeah. stupid yep. no, that's, thing that's to it, say. Yeah. We've all agreed we're getting out of there with three points, and the lead's going to be 11 points at the top of the league at that point, so that's great. And then... David Spurs. It's it's, it's it's your it's your your fa- you your favorites. I know it's your favorites. Your favorite fucking comedy show. Spurs at home. Look, I always think that when you're aiming for winning a league title, a lot of the time there is an element of timing of when you play certain teams and what form that team is in. You know. You get the old, you know, you get the mad results at the end of the season with teams fighting relegation who win games they've got no right to win, or, you know, Huddersfield caught away with a draw at the Etihad and daft things like this happening. Um, and that sort of thing kind of feeds into this where Spurs are in a really bad way, particularly away from home. They haven't won an away Premier League game in 10 matches. That's over half a season looking at away games. They're pretty much in, like, let's, let's, I'm not trying to be hyperbolic here or anything, but they're in turmoil at the minute.
1: It's kind of beyond a group hug, let's say, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, it, I, don't it's, think, it, I don't think a group hug is going to help. Yeah, very much it's got
0: past, thing. guys. Let's just sit down and talk about this. Yeah. We're way past that. Do You need mediation and all at this point.
1: Absolutely. And, and maybe even separation. Uh, and, and, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> like seriously, full on divorce. <laughs>
0: try separation
1: <laughs> <laughs> But look, so they have been a fantastic fantastic team, maybe playing above their level for the last four or five seasons. But they've they fucked about with players' contracts, the and and you know, again I respect that they have a they have a wage cap and they try and run the club club properly. I think that's prudent, I think that's sensible and everything. But as a if you were a Tottenham fan and, and I'm not you know like I'm a football supporter and, and well I I enjoy United's pain and whatnot. Like you know like there's Tottenham built up and I mean it's fucking beautiful that stadium. And it deserves better than what it's getting at the minute. And you know, we saw we saw Arsenal, who were a force, build a new stadium, and and look what's happened to them. And Tottenham were no, nowhere near the level and stature that, that Arsenal had, had got for themselves. And they're now facing this. I think a lot of them are going to be off at the end. I don't think they finish the season with Pochettino either. They've got
0: two center. They've got two center halves there, and uh, and your favorite player, Christian Eriksen, who ultimately will be off at
2: the end of the season because I would say contracts expire.
1: I say he could be gone in January because he's absolutely the the guy. You know, I I love him, but he's just not there. It's not. It's a fucking pale imitation of a footballer. Uh, It's a man whose head's completely gone. But everyone beside him, their head seems to be. It's it's bizarre. It's like off a cliff stuff. And, you know, the Bayern result was one thing. The Brighton result was, that was a like humiliation they had. These things can turn around in football, but I don't think a two-week international break and a group hug, as I say, does it. And it's it's one that this moment in time, you look at us as this well-oiled machine, that, that's the one that I could see a real battering. You know me, it's at Anfield as well. And I could see them taking a real fucking hiding at Anfield. Unless they get their act together, And, you know, there's a lot of rumours and there's a lot of things going on online about there's different things going on at the club and with, with the players and their respective partners. I, I haven't a clue. Um, uh, only what you see on Twitter. But it's hard to discount them when you see a football team fragment like this in a football field. And, you know, I kind of thought that the 7-2 against Bayern might have been the wake-up call. Ah, it's not been. It's actually caused them to go down further. So, really and truly... They'll have one game in between. I'm not sure who they play uh, when we play United. But I can't see things being fixed by the time they come to Anfield.
0: Oh, uh, I hope you're right. I really do hope you're right. I think there's there's something... There's been so much conjecture and rumour around Spurs the last few weeks. And whether you choose to believe it or not, neither here nor there. But Because the fact remains, it's, it's pretty obvious there's something rotten at the core of that club. And for me, a lot of it comes from the fact that they've allowed things to go stale. They've reinvested at the wrong time. They've reinvested into a squad that essentially aren't particularly happy for probably a number of different reasons. And I think there's a good parallel there with us where it seems to be every three or four months we're renewing somebody's contract, whether it's Joel Maddox, Gini Minalda, Mandy Robertson, Virgil van Dyke, Mo Salah, whoever it might be. And we're talking like big, high-profile key players. There's contracts being handed out for for performance, for Results for we're tying these people down long term time and time and time and time and time again and, and Spurs have allowed this situation I feel to, to get out of hand and I don't know about you but I feel it's kind of reached a,
2: a crisis point now. Absolutely, I mean it's it's kind of a perfect it seems to be a perfect storm because the, there do seem to be problems between the players in terms of they're not they don't seem to be getting on they don't seem to be playing for each other. They're certainly not covering for each other. They're not chasing for each other. But you you've got to also tie that in with with the fact that Spurs. You know you know it's like yourself. I mean, if if you are doing a really good job, you think you're doing a really good job, but you work for a company that is forever fucking penny pinching and looking for any fucking way to cut costs and not really investing enough. In what you know could, in what you think in your mind could be something that, although it's doing really, really, really well, could could just go to that next level and actually start to compete with the real top companies or the real top people in, in the business. And that's really what it's like to play for Spurs. Like you're just constantly hamstrung by Levy's kind of money maneuvers. And maybe that's because he has to do it, or maybe that's because he's taking money out of it. I, I don't know. I, or or he's paying others out of it. I I don't know how, how it all works in terms of Tottenham's finances, but they're trying to you know they just just build the a stadium
1: street. running over over cost. Made, well, I the stadium hard. was always Hurt them going badly.
2: was always the stadium. Run. The stadium's one thing, but this
0: strategy or behaviour of Levy this precedes that stadium,
2: precedes even the planning of that <laughs> stadium, precedes fucking Pochettino by. Well, however, ever many seasons, five, six seasons, so it was the same. It's always been the same. Levy's always been lauded as driving a hard bargain and you know getting the most for his club and all that financially. But at the same time, that that's fine when you're talking about buying and selling players. But when it comes to players' contracts, players aren't stupid. They all talk. They all know they can get more elsewhere or this or that. And you know the managers come out in the summer before the Champions League final and said well, if I win the Champions League, this will be my last game, basically. And, you know, they've lost, and he's had to stay. But the players have heard all that. They've heard it. He's banning it. He's not banning it for much longer. They begin to say, well, maybe Ericsson said in the summer, maybe this is my time to leave. You know, that move doesn't, yeah. that move doesn't come
1: through. Wide but they'll, invest, they'll invest in talent, Neil. But as soon as that talent becomes very good talent and, and warrants like 200K plus a week, they are reluctant to actually to renew on that and end up losing them for well, the other,
2: but I think there's more to it than that because you know because I think you're witnessing a spectacular collapse here you know and it's but it is over time it has been since
1: are we talking Leeds United last or, season. Or, or do you stop short Neil? no I think well,
0: I, I think with
2: the, I think what Chief
0: I, I I think Chief is right in so much is that you know the first first thing you're talking about players um, you know, talking to each other, etc. So, you know, for talking, to an older Virgil are good examples here. They're fucking off the the Belgium squad for the the international break, and who are they speaking to? They're speaking to Lukaku, and they're speaking to De Bruyne, and and they're getting paid fucking three times what they're getting paid. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. At le- at probably somewhere in and around that figure, and. When players reach a point where they just get so pissed off, and yeah, Dave, you're right. It's like it kind of has like really fallen off a cliff. But
1: for me, I Dave, it Dave, forth, hang on a minute. You look at Christian Eriksen. He has earned for his talent. He has earned subpar wages. Uh, yeah. for the last he has at an age now where he's in his prime. He has one last contract, one last yeah. big contract in him, and I can't blame the guy.
0: No, I can't either. But I think, I think. What it is is it only takes one or two really influential voices in the dressing room to start voicing concerns and and you know unhappiness about a situation and other players going, Well, yeah, you know, if he can say it, I can say it. And, you know, he's right. And and every all of a sudden, all of a sudden you have five, six, seven senior players there, all fucking pissed off because they all know it's all right to be pissed off, because the big lad in the corner's pissed off. And what you're finding now is is this this all of these situations now seeping under the pits and and infecting and, and their performance and and wow you know what a, what a great time for us to play them because somehow and again th- this is another mad thing somehow of the, the teams at city look at look at the teams at city have dropped points against they've dropped points against Norwich who're second bottom and have only won two games all season they've dropped points against Wolves who couldn't buy a fucking win until a couple of weeks ago. And that was a last-minute winner, I think, against... Like a, like a, like a 95th-minute winner against Watford, who are the, by far the worst team in the league. And all of a sudden, they go to the Etihad and beat City. And Spurs somehow get a 2-2 draw against them at the Etihad.
2: That, you look at that result now, and at the time, you're thinking, oh, well, Spurs are probably the, the favourites to finish third. And, you know, they've played them in the Champions League final, uh, semi in the Champions League quarterfinals. City
1: City don't do Champions League semi-finals. Neil, you should know that. (laughs) Yeah, actually, I should know that.
2: You know, so you thought, well, fair play to them. Even though they were outplayed that day, Spurs scored with their two chances. But for City to fucking drop points at the Etihad against this fucking Spurs team is nuts, given their away record. It's fucking shocking as well. Even going back to the back end of last season, their away record in the Premier League is is pretty woeful. So that's already happened. Spurs are, are done this this Spurs incarnation. I just wonder, just having a wee look there. Harry Kane signed a new Spurs, new contract in the summer. Ten million a year, apparently boosting his pay by eighty grand a week. So that would probably put him if it's boosting his pay by eighty grand a week, it's probably doubling his wage, you reckon? So it probably puts yep. him on about a hundred grand a week more than Ericsson's on.
1: He's one of those players, and I know we've talked about him in past seasons and whatnot. He scores goals, there's no two way about it. But I never, ever got the hype. And the fact that no one is ever breaking down Tottenham store to buy him sort of endorses that point to me.
2: I I think he's brilliant. I think he's... Oh, don't get me wrong, I think he's good. But I just wonder what league he fits into. I mean, he he, he doesn't fit... You know, does he go to another club in in England? Unlikely. I mean, who's going to sign him? City aren't going to sign him. We're not going to sign him. I don't think he would work in Spain... Potentially, Serie A, but I mean, I mean, where would he go? I think if you if you if you want to know, he, you know, he could replace Lewandowski. Yeah, the the one league, the one league that that he could fit in, I think, would be the Bundesliga. Yeah, well, you're right. I mean, maybe Lewandowski, uh, he's not he's not a patch on Lewandowski. I still don't think I still think Lewandowski's a, a better striker. I worry, you know, to be honest, about can you worry about how his fucking knees are going to hold up? Or his ankles, or whatever it is, both potentially. Um, but I mean, Spurs, I, you know, Dave said he thinks we, we could give them a hiding and potentially we could. Um, they've got Watford, by the way, when they come back after the international break, which should be should be three points for them. Watford at home, and then they're at yeah, home. Yeah, it's just the, t- uh, that's just the game they wanted, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It's the one they need because Watford looked woeful. And then they're at home against, um, Red Star Belgrade in the Champions League uh, on the on the Tuesday, so yeah, I mean, I, if if they don't sort things out, they're they're gonna they're gonna get it handed to them. They we always beat them in Anfield anyway, so I don't expect not to.
1: And the goalkeeper looks like he's out for a brave while too, Dave. So oh, that, this that, that, huh? So yeah,
0: I mean, who is their backup? Does anyone know who it is? Your man Gazaniga, but see, to be honest, I prefer Lloris and Nets because I think he's a fucking he throws one in liability. every he throws one in every ten games easily. So he threw one in against us last year that got us to three points.
2: Yeah, he's a liability. I mean Gazaniga's not bad. Like I mean he's he's not he's, he's Aye, but he's not fucking Lloris, great, right? is he? But he's not bad. I mean it's better No, he's not Michel, bad. Better than
0: Michelle Worm. Oh well that is true. He's better than Simon Mignele too, but here we don't need to worry about that anymore. I kind of agree with you. I think this is a really good time to get Spurs. I think we can really capitalize. The one the one thing that you might point to is the Spurs coming back to right wrongs from the Champions League final and will this be revenge and you know that's how fucking Sky are going to pit it, which is yeah. fine, but honestly I just I I see it the minute I just don't think they have it in them. I think they're going to find it too hard and I saw some it was either running or pressing stats from Spurs they have really fallen off a cliff this season with their 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 They work rate yeah they? basically basically their work rate and the miles that they covered the player that covered the most miles on uh on Saturday was Christian Eriksen. and that is not the sort of um
1: and he doesn't give a fuck Dave
0: well <laughs> well, it was like eleven and a half kilometers or something which isn't exactly loads and he is not the sort of player that you would you would think would be the top the, the top of that list for for miles or kilometers covered in turn a football match. And the other thing is, yeah, they've signed new players, and that's all great. But you fucking drop those new players into that environment, that's not going to be great. So they're they're not in a great space, and I do expect us to come away with those three points as well. And we're just going to probably go through this and wonder when the Reds are ever going to fucking lose a game of football. But oh, don't be um, saying
1: that, Dave. Don't be look. All things come to an end. It's, it's nothing's forever. We'll I' hit a true. bump in the road. But it's that when we true. hit the bump in the road. It, it, it's, it, the bump in the road's coming. It's when it is, and that's what we're looking at.
0: absolutely. And it will happen. And it, it, you know, the law of averages suggest that it can't go on for much longer because literally it's only ever gone on for one more game ever in the history of English football. So, David's villa after that, it's villa away, which has always been a happy hunting ground for the Reds. but Philip seem to have found some form. They're they good side. They've got some tricky players. Um, statistically, they they sh- they shoot more on target than any team in the Premier League, excluding Liverpool, City, and Chelsea. So they'll pose a threat. But this is one you should. This is one, particularly with our away form, that you really expect to just roll up and take the three points,
1: don't you? You're going into every game now, thinking you should win it. You know, there's there's a lot to be said. Philip played very well. I think at the weekend there. Um, as you say, they have uh, a lot of shots on target, but they've got to get through our midfield, and they've got to, and I, go, I keep going back to that, you know, Joel Matta should be back uh, after the international break as well, and that partnership that, that, that they have going, him and Van Dijk at the minute, it's like fucking steel. Just because they're, they're, they're playing against all the Premier League teams and getting these opportunities, they'll, they'll have a couple opportunities against us, with, probably without a doubt, but there, there's just that resilience in us, and, you know, the the, the, the beauty of it is, Dave. The experience of last season will mean that we will never rest on our laurels and say, "Oh, we're eight points ahead," because seven wasn't wasn't enough last season. We're just being driven at the minute.
0: With City, the following game from this, this is one that you really want to win. You really want to be going into that City game off the back of a defeat, off the back of fuck off the back for the fade high, off the back of a victory. And Steve, it's this Philly game this sticks out for me. Because it's sandwiched in between United, Spurs and City. And we haven't seen a lot of rotation from Klopp. And it was similarly this time last season that the rotation started to kick in and they started to use started to use some more players. And we've got another break to get boys up to speed and things like that. So let's exclude the back four and, and the front three because that's not really going to change that often. But do you see... Oxley, Chamberlain and Kaida start to get more games throughout this period?
2: I can definitely see Nabi Kaida starting to, to feature a little bit more in this time. But, you know, what's interesting about this game is that it's, it comes hot in the heels of a League Cup tie against Arsenal, where I would imagine we're going to see a similar side to the one we saw uh, against MK Dons. So it gives it gives club the chance to to give the players seven days off after Spurs Villa yeah Villa have a have a game against Wolves on the same night in the cup I don't know how they're approaching it I don't know if their squad is big enough to make so so many changes they're not used to playing three games in a week which they're going to have to that week so there is the potential to make one or two changes there uh, I think uh, Kaida I think and Origi potentially but I think. With some of our players not making the trip internationally this time, it gives it, it also gives them a couple of weeks there to train back at a full fitness, get back to, to real kind of tip top shape before the next batch of games. But yeah, you're right. Of of the of that run of fixtures, that's the game. If he's going to make any changes in league matches, that's the game you'd imagine that he would. It's also the one you've sort of got to worry about a little bit in that you don't. You just don't want them taking their eye off the ball at all. Don't want them, you know what? With with Spurs City, who was the other Spurs City and United? United you know, around that. Yeah, sorry. Um, you know, it's just it's a mid-table team. I can accept is, that you forgot is, them. Be honest, like it is because it, it really doesn't register in the way that it used to at all at the moment. With those those kind of fixtures around Villa, there's the potential for kind of you know not focusing on on it enough. But having said that, although Villa look handy and look like the best of the newly promoted sides at the moment, we should have too much for them.
1: Right. Well, here, lads, I think that we're going to have to break this one up into two. And uh, that's probably the best point to do it. So just one thanks to the listener. Thanks to the guys. And join us again for part two coming up very shortly.